faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. This amazing stranger from the planet Krypton, the man of steel. Superman! Hello and welcome to Superman Lives. I am your host, Chris Moe. This episode is being recorded on the 5th of November, 2022. I want to thank everybody for listening. Welcome any new viewers or listeners, I should say, that we have here to Superman Lives. And um, of course, we did not have an episode last week. The plan was to actually have one uh, for the week before Halloween. And October, very busy for me my family for various reasons it just didn't happen last week so sorry about that episode i did have a few folks mentioning wondering where the episode was also uh the episode before that which was halloween themed is um not yet up on youtube but it will be here uh or well i guess here if you're listening through the uh fan man youtube channel it'll be there um in time i will be uploading it there and also uploading this episode. This episode begins a discussion of um, of a topic that's that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is the death of Superman. And um, in fact, this podcast and my Superman fandom would not be what it is without that event. So, in episode zero, if you listen to it, you heard me discuss that. I'm I'm not going to really go over all of that again. I want to do something um, that that is, I suppose, um, kind of just fixing my original plan, which didn't happen. Uh, and, and that was that knowing this was the 30th anniversary, um, I had the idea back in, I guess, August to start every week when I decided I was going to bring Superman Lives back. My thought was, well, every week, once the issues come out 30 years to the day they came out, I will discuss them one week at a time, and we'll go through all the issues leading up to Superman 75 and the death of Superman. And then we will, after that, not go through the whole saga, um, or maybe, I don't know, but I don't I don't know that I would have dedicated the show that whole, because this isn't really the Death and Return of Superman podcast. This is Superman Lives, which is focusing on many different iterations and stories and, and aspects of the character. Um, but I thought that would have been really cool to do just for the death since that really is, I think, the most memorable for the general audience. And really today, when, when it's still talked about, as it is 30 years later, folks remember Superman 75. Many people, I don't even think, read the six issues that led up to that issue that, that culminated with that story. And I don't know that many people stayed for the funeral, which, as, as readers know, who were, like myself, locked in at that point and hooked, those really were. And I think that the actual death issues the seven part death I think gets um, you know it gets kind of um, bashed these days because it's kind of, oh it was just a slugfest well it really wasn't and and we're going to talk about that as we go through uh, the issues that have passed thus far as well as the issue that came out 
today. So we'll be talking about that 30 years ago on this day, on November 5th of 1992. Um, but I, I love the story. It means a great deal to me. It is not perfect, but no story is. There are some things I would have done differently, and I will probably talk about that in the course of this episode. And then next week, um, we'll be talking about Man of Steel, uh, I believe, 19, which came out, um, and I'll do it again, 30 years to the day. And then after that, of course, Superman 75. And, and in the course of talking about all of this, I'll address a few things about that story. So I'm really just focusing on these issues. And, and though I did not as I would have liked to have done. I didn't get a chance to start uh, doing this as each issue came out, but I'm still going to go back and talk about those issues. So it, it um, I think will work out. I think you guys will think, yeah, you know, it's, it's not so bad if we, if we do it this way. And you know what? Hopefully, I'll be around for the 50th, and you can look for... By then, we will be able to just be holographically beamed into folks' uh, living rooms, and you'll be able to see this old guy. Hey, who is this old cat here in here? Ah, you're letting me into my into your, your holographic projector, and I'm going to talk to you about about Superman. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows in 20 years? That would be very cool, but we might be back on... We may not have... Who knows? We may not even have podcasting anymore. Um, I don't know. Maybe this internet thing's just a fad. <laughs> I just... I don't know. I don't know. Um, so what we're going to do, though, now, I do know, is we are going to take a little break, and when I return, we will begin talking about the, um, the five issues that have preceded the one, or rather the four that have preceded the issue of Action Comics that I'll be talking about this week, and I'll be giving a very brief summary and my thoughts on those issues, but very briefly, not as in-depth as I would have each week, um, and then I will be a little bit more in-depth in depth talking about this week's issue as we go forward. So stick around, more to come. I'm freezing! Superman! Uh-oh, sounds like Lisa and Scott are trapped in the icy cave of that frosty-faced felon, Captain Cold. This is a job for Superman. My fast freeze zapper will freeze Superman forever. No way, Captain! Dear kids, my new Superman hot cocoa mix is the super-tasting way to warm up. And see, Captain Cold can't take this warm reception. New Superman Hot Cocoa, the super-tasting way to warm up. And we're back here, sadly, no longer able to get us any Superman Hot Cocoa or peanut butter. Uh, those days have passed. But, you know, uh, such as it is, times have changed. Now, you can you can get other brands that will sometimes tie into something. My wife, being so awesome, a few weeks ago brought me some cereal uh, that was Superman cereal. And I didn't even know that was out, but it was Captain Crunch, but it had a Superman was on the box. It didn't say Captain Crunch. I think it was Super Crunch. I don't remember, but some nice Superman rebirth art. It looked like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Uh, I don't know if he's done any character uh, work or, you know, designs for uh, the rebirth looks, but it was really nice to see that. So um, we don't have Superman hot cocoa, but we do have Superman Lives, this podcast. So go get yourself a beverage your own hot cocoa, and we'll have a super time of it. So the death of Superman, as I said, I don't really want to, as, and you can go back and listen to issues, um, I'm sorry, um, episode zero, which is why I did it. And I get into a little bit more detail about the meaning of this story to me, but I do want to say a little bit about it. And this is, this is, I think, significant to what we're doing now with the show because it's sort of what happened when I first read it. Um, I was not in 1992, I was a regular comic book reader by that point. 
Um, as I talk about in episode zero, I came aboard, as many in my generation did, fully on board as dedicated readers of multiple titles um, from multiple companies in about 1989. Uh, for me, it was a little bit earlier in 88, and then, of course, the film Batman came out in the summer of 89, and then that that really set me on the course and, and made me, in fact, because of The Flash, Wally West Flash, in tandem with Batman, I was reading so much DCU and their wonderful crossovers at the time, uh, and, I, and I just mean minor crossovers, characters appearing here and there, that I, I fell in love with that universe. Now, I loved Marvel, and because of the affordability of comics back then uh, and the availability, which sadly today is is when you tell younger people that, they're like, really? It's, it's hard to believe that you could go into a drugstore, uh, that you could just go into a convenience store, and there were racks filled with comics. Those days, sadly, no longer uh, with us. But those those were the days I grew up in. And so um, it, it for various reasons, I really didn't, I guess, um, I didn't read a whole lot of stuff because Wizard, I don't think Wizard Magazine was out in 92. I could be wrong. Um, well, yeah, it was. Wizard was out. And I don't think I read it every month, but I would, I would definitely look through it in the comic shops. I went to multiple shops at the time. Um, one of those I still go to over 30 years later. And... Um, and that's Acadiana Comics here here in Lafayette, Louisiana. But um, I don't remember how it did how it happened. But I must have missed in in Wizard, which I'm sure they discussed it. I must have missed it in Comic Scene because I would get co- Comic Scene occasionally. But if my local comic book shops were out, then I would try to rely on maybe a gas station, you know. Which back then, uh, or even a video, we had a video store called Movie Mart that had an extensive offering of not only video games and and uh, films. But, you know, uh, movies, VHS tapes to rent, but also comic books and magazines. And I could, I picked up comic scene there. But for whatever reason, however it happened, I missed that the death of Superman was happening. And it, it actually didn't get to my ears until I overheard it mentioned in one of those comic shops by some of the older readers who were, you know, as I would become years later, much more knowledgeable. And, and they were talking about it. And I remember being fascinated immediately because I thought, uh, you know, this, this, can't be happening, but also on the other hand, as I explained in episode zero, I wasn't into Superman. I was reading Batman, uh, I was reading Marvel and, and some, you know, Wolverine, uh, the Uncanny X Men, Claremont was on, and Jim Lee, and uh, Amazing Spider Man, and DC wise, The Flash, heavily into The Flash and Batman, and that that was pretty much it for DC at the time. Um, and so I, I loved the Flash TV show. Um, I had actually been reading Wally before that show came out, which is you know, one of the reasons I loved the show so much um, was because there were a lot of there's a lot of Wally in that, even though it's Barry Allen. Um, but you know, and of course, Batman and the sequels, and then Batman the animated series would come ar- ar- around that same time, I think, as the death of Superman. But I wasn't super into Superman, uh, pun intended, and, and it's just because I I was in as a you know as a teenager, I would have been about fifteen, I guess. Uh, in those prior years, I had gotten into stuff like. Like I mentioned, Wolverine and the X Men, darker stuff. I had gotten into Ghost Rider. I liked Spawn, but I wasn't a. He- I mean, Spawn was so cool for the art, but a lot of times the stories just didn't really capture my imagination. The re readability was not the same as really any issue uh, over a DC or Marvel for me. Um, and uh, but I loved the art, and the same was true of a lot of the 
um, the other comics coming out from Image at the time, where the, the story really wasn't what was drawing me there. But I liked those characters. I was into that. I thought that was cool. And when I heard that Superman was going to be killed off, I understand. I had only been reading for about two and a half years, but I wasn't... I was just... <sighs> I don't want to say casual reader because I wasn't, but I wasn't the reader I became actually right after the death of Superman. I wasn't reading as religiously stuff like Wizard and Comic Scene and and you know Comic News Monthly, and um, I, I I wasn't finding all that information out and and um, didn't have the knowledge base that I would come to have really because of the death of Superman. Um, and so when it when I heard about it, I thought, well, you know, first of all, I actually thought this is it. And I didn't know, you know, I hadn't been reading long enough in that time, uh, and, and it wasn't my whole. I wasn't spending all of my money on my on comics yet. I wasn't that into the worlds quite yet. So I didn't know, for example, that Jean Grey had had famously died and then came back. I, I didn't know that death by that point even, except for Captain Marvel, right? The original Captain Marvel had died. I didn't know that that was not necessarily permanent, um, you know. And and of course, back then it was much more permanent than it is now. You know, Uncle Ben, thankfully, has not been brought back yet, almost, but has not been. And then, you know, Bucky, Bucky was the guy who was never going to come back. And of course, that happened. Um, and uh, Jason Todd had been killed off. And there was no, there was no, believe me, in 89, 90, 91, in the early 90s, nobody was saying, let's bring it back. Because no, that wouldn't be for another, over another decade um, after, after his death. Um, so when I heard about it, I thought, man, this makes sense, and I guess this is why I believed it, because I bought into some of what I heard people saying, which is the sales are down. I did know that. I did hear, you know, I would talk to my local comic book shop owner and, and the other co- comic shops as well. I would always eavesdrop and kind of listen to try to learn things. Um, and so I was I was aware, but because I wasn't reading Superman comics, the monthly uh, books, I didn't see the ads. And if they were in other books, I missed them or I don't, I don't recall ever seeing them. Um, but when I heard about it, I became very interested and I, and I, I wanted those issues. But by the time I had actually kind of really begun to pay attention, I read some newspaper articles. I can remember my, my parents uh, cutting out some or showing me in the newspaper and, and saying, Hey, read this, you know, Superman's dying. And, and, you know, and, uh, and I can remember the news story saying it as if this was really going to happen because it was. You have to understand too, and I think a lot of people, perhaps, looking back thirty years now from the vantage point we're in today, where this is not an insult, but I think we all have a degree of cynicism born from the immediacy of information, because you you can't really put one over on people anymore with the internet there, um, and, and so. Because and and phones which are omnipresent and cameras which are omnipresent and so there's a movement and a a um, I think a delivery of news and information that that really does um, change things. So you couldn't have done this. You couldn't do this now. Um, but because of the way things were, I can remember watching that news story. It was it wasn't local. I guess it was a recycled national story. Um, when I remember the I remember the folks local reporters talking about it after the anchors talking about Superman's going to be dying. Wow. This is, you know, and, and, uh, and I thought as they seem to suggest and understand too, folks, DC suggested this as well. So there was not for the general audience, right? Which I, at the time was not as I was, um, not a heavy reader and knowledgeable reader yet, but so I was a little bit more toward the general audience spectrum 
And those folks thought this was it. There are still people today that probably think, oh, yeah, and the comics are done. There are people I talk to today are like, they're still publishing comic books? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sort, sort of, but we won't get into that. But they are. Uh, they are. And, um, and so the general audience thought this was it. And I kind of thought the same thing. And, and of course, seasoned veterans, comic book readers, and people knowledgeable of that genre probably were pretty skeptical. Um, and, and I can remember in some of the videos that you see, and those are all on YouTube for you to go and watch, there is talk from folks who are comic book stores being interviewed. They're like, yeah, he'll be back. Um, but there's many more that are interviewed that you know when you hear them talk, you're like, they don't know because they're not regular readers. This is it. Can't believe they're killing him off. It shows. I can remember there was there was a pretty consistent opinion at the time that well, this just shows how things are going in America. That our greatest hero, Superman, is going to be killed off, and I believed it. Um, and so I believed it. And here's why I was convinced. I think because I had not really connected with the character in a very long time, and I would watch the movie, you know, uh, all the movies, and so I. I um, grew up, as I talked about in episode zero, with Superman, Christopher Reeve, and, and the animation and, you know, the old filmation show and, and uh, Super Friends, and loved him as a kid, but I think there was a place where he had not really been, you know, understand this was, af- this was 19, after 1986, which kind of saw Superman, in the general audience at least, exit. Um, and so if you weren't reading comics, there wasn't much. There were no animated series in this era, in this post-86 era for Superman. There were no TV shows yet. Lois and Clark wouldn't come in, I think, until 94, 93, 94. Um, and, and so there was really not an, an, an in other than the comics, and I wasn't reading them. And I was so into these other characters, and, and I thought, yeah, it makes sense because he's just no longer, I really thought, He's just not as popular. And, of course, DC wisely, very wisely began to suggest this as 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 DC and the creative team, but also I think, you know, editorial there went, oh, their general, the general audience believes this is it. Let's feed that, which was a genius move. Um, once that was being said and, and reinforced by folks in interviews and I hear it at the comic shop, I thought, man, because I can also remember one, uh, I think it was Miss Teresa who, who owns the comic shop I still go to uh, and have been going to since 1988. And I can remember her saying, it, it seems like it's real because they're canceling the books after, uh, and I don't remember, I guess that was in, into the new year or, uh, I take that back. It may not have been into the new year. It might have been like in December, the books might have ended or, or late, maybe mid to late December of that year. I don't re- remember exactly. Um, but they did for two, I think, two full months. There were no solicits for any more books. And that was it. They were going to do the funeral storyline and then bye-bye. That's it. It was There was nothing else. And I believe, so I believed it. I was like, oh, wow, this, I, I'm shocked, you know, but... Um, but it made sense to me because Superman had, and, and, and I guess just, you know, you're a teenager and, and you go by what you're into. And in my mind, I was like, he's not even in my, on my radar because, you know, he, he was in the flash and I read that issue where he, you know, he, and, and he of course was in the death of, uh, the death, a death in the family. And I remember not liking his, his portrayal there, the way he kind of, you know, Batman punches him, which was unwise, but Starlin didn't really write. A Superman that Starlin, I think, in that book, writes a Superman very much influenced by Frank Miller's, you know, horrible, awful, not really Superman take. Um, and, and so I, I can remember thinking, 
this this it makes sense and and I believe it. But what what was so fascinating for me was it touched something I think inside of me that that kid that loved as every kid does Superman and and had been such a big fan as a kid having the old Remco giant Superman with the glow in the dark kryptonite and he had the string you could fly him on I had the superpowers figures um, I had costume uh, a costume and and um, and I can remember thinking somewhere in that that kid was reached again and I thought well I have to read how this happens I have to know and that was before it was super huge where everybody was beginning to wonder is this going to have any value I just thought I have to read it because I'm reading comics now I want to see how this happens but for whatever reason the timing had had happened to where I can remember talking uh, to my local comic book shop owner and the other comic shops I would go to here and there I would I would also ask and they said everything is sold out everything's been pre-ordered you know and which I I had a poll uh, folder, but it really wasn't for super. It wasn't for Superman. So those were done. Like those were already uh, claimed by people who had it in their their folders, and there was there were going to be second printings, but but that was it. And I thought, man, I really missed the boat. So I told my mom, and um, and she came in for me uh, through for me on Christmas by giving me all of the first printings of those issues, right uh, of the Death Arc, including. Superman 75, all first prints, including the copy, uh, the black, you know, uh, polybagged version, as well as the standard newsprint, uh, newsstand version, and the the um, uh, the trade paperback collection, first edition. So I got that for Christmas, and that was the greatest thing. I can tell you, 92, it's the only thing I remember getting for Christmas in 1992, uh, 30 years later. And I, after we were done that day with opening gifts and visiting with family and everybody kind of went their way, went in my room and I, I didn't open those issues because they were first editions. And, you know, um, I knew there were first printings, I should say, and I knew they were going to be reprinted, but I read open the trade and I read it twice in a sitting. And, um, and so I read the story not, and I, so I've never experienced, and now I never, I mean, I never can, I can't forget what I've already read. But I wonder what it was like for fans who were reading regularly already, and as it kind of wonderfully ratcheted up or counted down, is really how the panel count works with the Death of Superman issues, it counted down to Superman 75. So um, I, I can never go back and experience it that way. That must have been quite a treat. But reading it all at once was also a treat because it you feel that moment uh, or that that momentum rather and you you feel that you're um, you're just kind of hurtling along with Superman in his desperate attempt to stop doomsday uh, and um, and it and there they just did such a great job with that so that's what we're going to be talking about in going over these issues um, I am going to be reviewing those issues as I said uh, very briefly and um, talking about some of those main points that I want to make about them as we go through. And then I'll have a little bit more to say uh, about the issue that came out today. That issue, by the way, that came out on this day back in uh, 1992 was Action Comics number 684. And I'll go ahead and, and just give you, if you're, if you're interested in this, for the 25th anniversary, I went through uh, and really had to do quite a bit of research to find these dates, but I was able to get the street dates, the releases for everything 
25 at the time years ago. And my plan was in 19, in 2017, my plan was to do this pod, to do a podcast where every week I would go through those issues. And that didn't happen just because, um, realistically in my life where I was, and, and even now it would have, it would have been easier. My, my children are older. Um, my work situation is different, but it, it still would be quite difficult, I think. Uh, but it would have been probably next to impossible then. And so I didn't do it, but I still have that record. So really, Doomsday is coming. So if you've read, if you've looked at the Superman, Death of Superman trade collection, it begins with these these individual pages that are really, I think, three or four panels, and they are showing a, uh, you know, a, a clothed arm and fist punching a wall. And uh, with this loud you know, sound effect going along with it and saying doomsday is coming. And that happened in four issues that had really nothing else to reference doomsday except for that final page. And um, those issues were Man of Steel number 17 would be the first time. That was in September, September 17th uh, of 1992. That was the first time anybody saw doomsday in a Superman comic, just his arm. The next week, Superman 73 on the 24th, of September in 1992 would have been another of these panels, his arm, you know, as he's punching the, these bony protrusions on his knuckles are growing. His, uh, his gauntlet is beginning to kind of, you know, deteriorate as he's punching. Um, Doomsday is coming. Adventures of Superman 496, October 1st, 1992. Um, and then we saw the last just first appearance as far as partial first appearance. Doomsday is coming. Action Comics 683. That was October 8th, 1992. Which is, so I would have liked to have actually started this whole thing this year. Um, I would have liked to have started on October 1st of this year, but it didn't happen, as I said. So here we are a little bit behind, but we're still going to be able to do the the last few issues going through the death. Um, The first full appearance of Doomsday is Man of Steel 18, October the 15th, 1992, followed by the the Superman Joins the Battle, which is uh, involving the JLA. That's October 22nd of 1992. Same week, right? So those two issues came out at the same time, Superman 74, um, also the 22nd. And then um, Adventures of Superman 497, October 29th. Then we had uh, Action Comics 684, um, the, the second to last chapter before we get to um, Superman 75. That was today. Then Man of Steel 19, November 11th, 1992. And then Superman 75, November 19th, 1992. So, um, this is what we'll be leading up to. So we'll we'll be talking about those issues through to Action Comics 684 today in this episode. And, and then um, next week will be Man of Steel 19. And then after that, Superman 75. And I may do, it's it's a possibility, I may do that, that episode as a live stream. It just will depend on, I don't know, it's a few weeks ahead. So I have to take a look and, and see what's going on. Uh, but we'll see. We shall see um, how that uh, will be coming together because I can't really say. And then, you know, we're getting close with the 19th um, with with Thanksgiving, and and uh, so I'll have to make sure that I um, know exactly 
what's going on. But if I can, I'll do it as a live stream. I think it would be nice to have some feedback and, and get get folks' memories. Those that are old enough that were there 30 years ago and that and that un, watched this unfold as I did, um, although somewhat differently than than you know I didn't get those issues as they came out. So um, what I want to do is take another break because uh, I'll be going on a little bit longer uh, with this next segment. When we come back, uh, I will dive into these issues that uh, have passed already in the death of Superman. Attention, Superman fans. Superman glasses are coming to Taco Bell. That's right. Taco Bell is offering Superman glasses. With exciting scenes from the movie. There's six of them. Every time you buy a medium-sized Pepsi-Cola, you can buy a Superman glass. But supplies are limited, so... uh, Hurry down to your Taco Bell and and start your own collection of Superman glasses. Superman glasses, not only at Taco Bell. Taco Bell, Superman, the movie glasses have not yet begun to look for those on on, uh, eBay, but man, that would be cool to add to the collection. We are beginning the death saga here of Superman with this, these Three panels I mentioned, um, and those, as I mentioned, were the the first partial appearances of Doomsday. Uh, we see somewhere else, and we see this this bound, gauntleted fist punching against a wall of steel as it punches. These these uh, protrusions begin to form under the glove, and crang, crang, crang. Doomsday is coming somewhere else. Doomsday is coming, and then the next week, unrelentingly. Then now we begin to see the bony protrusions as the the gauntlet wears away, striking against this metal uh, uh, wall, crang, crink, beginning on the outside of this prison now to see uh, little indentations forming, cracks. Doomsday is coming. And then, unstoppably, the fist now uh, much worse condition as far as the, the gauntlet fabric coming off, the cables tearing, and the wall itself. Now these protrusions are are almost all the way through that wall, and we have unstoppably Doomsday is coming. And then, unbelievably, the week before the first full appearance of Doomsday, we have the full fist now with those bony protrusions. We, we look at this and think, man, this is mean. This is something you don't want to be on the receiving end of. And unbelievably, the fist breaking through that steel, through that metal prison, which we, don't, we didn't at the time know what that was, Doomsday is here. And then we go to Superman, the Man of Steel, number 18. Uh, and we see on that cover, Doomsday fully revealed, but he's wearing his, and I thought this was a genius idea, he's wearing his containment suit, uh, which we didn't know that's what it was really until Superman Doomsday, um, which was about a year or so after this, and of course after Superman returned. But um, what a wonderful issue uh, what a wonderful cover because Doomsday fully revealed that that one fist, which um, I, oddly enough, I'm noticing now the fist is still completely gloved. Uh, it's it's not torn open. That's interesting. Maybe it's just an idea to keep it mysterious on this cover for folks who didn't read those other issues uh, and see that those last pages. Superman, I, I'm sorry, Doomsday's fist coming all the way up to the the Superman, the Man of Steel logo and shattering it. It's cracking. Um, in the uh, under the the might of his fist, so it says on the cover here the beginning of the end, doomsday, 
And so in this issue, which we start off somewhere on Earth, uh, we have nature, beautiful nature, undisturbed, but then we have the sound effects we heard on that fourth page, or that final page of the issue prior that was the last partial appearance, these tease appearances, and then we have those sound effects as Doomsday does, in fact, break through. We have a deer running in uh, in fear through the forest, birds flying away, uh, squawking, and um, and then we have this dramatic, you know, the 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 um, rising of the ground, and then it falls back as he punches through, and then the art by John Bogdanov here, um, and Dennis Janky, I believe, is how his his last name is is pronounced, as he then goes up through the actual mantle of the earth where you know he's been buried beneath that deeply and then crack a doom is the sound effect as doomsday just with one fist launches out of the ground and what's beautiful about this uh, and by the way written by the great Louise Simonson who've always been a fan of I discovered her before I read Superman titles she was on X Factor uh, with her husband, of course, legendary artist and writer Walt Simonson, and always enjoyed her writing and really loved what she did with Superman. And I'm glad to see she will be coming back with other creators from this time and the storyline. Uh, I think next week is the Superman, the death of Superman 30th anniversary special, and she will be uh, writing a story in there. So Doomsday breaks free. Then he, you know, he's flying up out of the ground, leaping really, and it, he's leading with his left arm as he as he rises up. And we switch to a wonderful panel of Superman flying right fist first, leading up into the skies of Metropolis. Beautiful piece by uh, John Bogdanov, and um, and I, you know, all of these all of these artists and these teams were top notch. And the fact that that sales and they really were not great is sad because um, I wonder to this day if it was just maybe DC didn't promote the titles enough but these teams were wonderful and the, this material holds up 30 years and in the case of stuff predating the death of superman story before 30 years ago and yet for whatever reason these these books were not selling as well as I think they uh, they could so Do- doomsday uh, is or superman rather is flying up kind of parallel here uh, to Doomsday launching up. Here's Superman flying over the city. Beautiful art by uh, Bogdanov and Janky, as I said. And the thing about this issue is that Superman um, is dealing with the the war worlders, who some of whom had, I guess, got stranded on Earth uh, when Brainiac took over War World, and they had the uh, well-known storyline from that era, predating the death of Superman, Panic in the Sky, from the taking the title from the old Adventures of Superman episode. And um, the War Worlders were aliens who um, had escaped the tyranny of Brainiac and then a Mongol before him. And there were also underworlders that were alien or creatures that lived on, in the underworld. And uh, we have a young boy here who, if you know, and that was one of the things that threw me off was I didn't know anything about this character, this, these characters. Um, but we are introduced to this young uh, boy here who's looking for his mom underground, thinking the monsters have taken her. They've told him that, and um, he's going on this. Um, he's going to find them. Meanwhile, Lois has a note from a contact who's underground and she's going to meet him. And then of course leaves a note for Clark to go find her. So this issue is, has an A plot and a B plot. The A plot is that underworld underworlder 
war worlder storyline okay dealing with this this race of beings living under the the streets of metropolis and the you know um and eventual kidnapping of Lois, uh, which is actually brought up in the story, I think is a great little moment where uh, it's pointed out. Um, Lois, I thought I'd tell Lois. The informant says I'd tell Lois about this story. She could, she could uh, about the this event happening, the war worlders, and she could maybe come in and get the story. And uh, then she ended up getting captured. I didn't think she'd get captured. And then Superman says that's how she pretty much gets every story. And I thought, man, that's a great little comic moment there. But but we go back and forth from the A plot to the B plot, which is less a plot and more a uh, just kind of a subtle very slow building of suspense. We see Doomsday in this B-plot. He's in nature. He's kind of just standing there observing it. We don't really know. Maybe he maybe he is not this uh, evil creature. We've seen him just punching out. Maybe he's just been trapped. But then a bird lands on his hand. He's standing there statuesquely. The bird lands, this little yellow bird, and he crushes it with an appropriately gross sound effect, blorch, and Doomsday laughs. So now we know this is not this is not good. We're not dealing with a very good character for anybody to deal with, right? So the rest of the story goes back toward the issue there. Then uh, the issue of the Underworlders and that conflict, Superman having to go save Lois. Meanwhile, we go back to Doomsday. He destroys this beautiful, massive tree. He He's taking glee and destroying anything that's alive, even, even trees. And um, so we next time we see Doomsday again, which is what I'm just going to focus on for the discussion of this issue, um, the next time we see him there, he is now out of this wooded area, and he's been approached, uh, being approached by by traffic on a very busy highway, and he brings down um, with his strength, he brings down an overpass, crushing and killing many of the people, as Superman will confirm in a later issue, uh, both on the overpass and beneath it. Um, and then we wrap up the story with uh, Superman and Lois, and our final part of this issue has a truck uh, driving, you know, a semi-truck, and Doomsday sees it. He punches the front of the truck, and um, it, it bursts into flame. It turns over, bursts into flame. You know that the driver has, has probably been killed. Doomsday laughing as this horror happens. Then another truck driver calls. Um, he's calling the state troopers and intercepting this call or listening in on this call is um, Oberon of the JLA. At the time he was, uh, I guess he was there. I forget what he was, his role. But Oberon is listening and says, as he hears about this monster killing these people, destroying uh, the, the interstate, he uh, says, this sounds like a job for the Justice League. Which will this bring us to Justice League of America 69? They've taken the of out, by the way. Uh, and so Justice League America 79, which it's important to note, the reason for the crossover is twofold. One, Dan Jurgens was doing writing and drawing Justice League at the time, as well as Superman. Um, but he was also, I, I also think it was done to show the Justice Leagues out of the way. Because we also, I think as fans, will ask this question, any kind of fight scenario why would this happen to this uh, character if another one of similar power was around why would superman be killed by anybody if wonder woman's around who's who's almost as powerful as he is uh certainly the martian manhunter maybe is as powerful as superman um what you know where's aquaman he's also pretty strong where are the green lanterns it's important to note that at this time and i'm pretty sure that this was this was um very likely done by Dan Jurgens, who was writing JLA. 
Um, Hal Jordan's off Earth. Um, there's Guy Gardner, but he's no longer a Green Lantern, right? So he's got his yellow yellow ring at the time, not yellow lanterns that hadn't happened yet many years later. Um, there is no sign of the Martian Manhunter. He's disappeared. There's this mysterious character called Bloodwind, which is very much a 90s. Bloodwind is spelled W-Y-N-D. Um, and the Justice League is made up of Blue Beetle, um, Booster Gold, Fire and Ice, Bloodwind, and Guy Gardner. And you're hearing that and Bloodwind and you're thinking who the hell are these people? Well, these were the this was the kind of a comical version of the Justice League that debuted after Crisis on Infinite Earths. They changed what the league was. They they took sort of B and even C listers and made them the league um, and retconned the story to where all the original members of the league had left except for John John Jones who is also a member of this at this time, but he's out. Now, Superman's also a member because Jurgens had brought in Superman and Hal Jordan, but Hal Jordan, I think, was off Earth at this time. And he had even brought back Aquaman, and I think Aquaman and, and all these characters, I'm sure, accounted for. So when this league, which is not really, these aren't heavy hitters, they can take on other other characters. and, and are, uh, Oh, they also have Maxima, and I forgot about Maxima. By the way, one of my favorite episodes, Superman the Animated Series, it has Maxima in it. Um, she's a she's a fun character, and uh, Maxima's from the planet Almarac. She is incredibly powerful. She's not on the level of a Kryptonian or a Daxamite, but she's pretty strong, um, and she's a member of the team, kind of a Klingon type, um, you know, lust for combat and honorable death and combat and all this. So what happens is the League, the JLA, uh, Justice League America. There was also Justice League Europe and Justice League International at this time. And uh, they respond so in the a the the a plot uh, at the, the beginning of the issue is the league responding to the attack. They're not they're not engaging Doomsday immediately, but they are helping those who've been injured thus far. And at the time that's happening, we go to our B plot at the beginning of the issue. They're separate plots, and Superman is appearing on the Cat Grant show, who of course used to be uh, work used to work at the Daily Planet and now has a show on WGBS. And so the League is now going after Doomsday while Superman is answering questions, which is a neat little um, it's it's a neat little back and forth with these kids asking Super, Superman some pretty funny questions, these high school kids. Um, and they're asking him questions about le- being the leader. Meanwhile, we uh, of the Justice League and, and things of that nature. Then we jump back to Doomsday, who is now back in a wooded area, and he he lets this deer approach him and then kills this deer horribly. Meanwhile, uh, Superman is talking about how he's not the leader of the League. They all have a say. And, you know, he's, of course, being Superman, very humble. Um, Doomsday, meanwhile, kill, kills this poor deer and laughing. Then he sees the Blue Beetle's bug ship, throws a tree, okay, through the craft and just destroys it, you know, uh, spears it right through the middle. Um, and so the, the Superman, meanwhile, talking about how great the JLA is. So we're back and forth now with the two plots as the bug ship is, is attacked. And, um, and we have the characters, uh, falling to what would be their death, except that they're, they make it down safely. Uh, Superman, of course, then doesn't know about any of this yet. He's talking to Cat Grant and uh, Guy Gardner, Fire Ice, and the League are helping uh, those folks that they can, um, who are also in the in the path of Doomsday. There's a there's a, a a guy in a truck, and this is a pretty brutal scene where Doomsday, still with one arm tied behind his back, okay, he's still bound and wearing this containment suit, 
punches this truck, and the truck driver, apparently not wearing a, a seatbelt of semi, goes through the windshield of the semi, and, and just a horrible, you know, the, these issues really did a great job, and the creators of the storyline did a great job of establishing Doomsday is a threat. And and he is even going to be a threat for Superman, obviously. So he's he's vicious and without any mercy, and um, and it's pretty terrible what what he does um, before the one man who can stop him does, and that's Superman. Um, Superman, meanwhile, is is talking about you know he's answering questions about what the Justice Leaguers do when they're off time. Um, Guy Gardner then goes and engages uh, with <clears throat> Doomsday directly. And that is um, when a question about Guy Gardner is being asked and Superman's answering it. Because, of course, he and, and Guy did not get along well at the time. And Doomsday begins to slam Guy Gardner face first into the concrete, stomps on his face, punches the back of his head. So brutal, brutal stuff. And... Um, and then we meet a kid who's going to become uh, important later on uh, in, in this issue named Mitch, who is uh, none of these kids are Im, imply, uh, I'm sorry, Im, impressed at all with Superman. And that's on purpose because this story really is the death of Superman, funeral for a friend, reign of the Superman, return of the Superman is all about one thing. And that is about why Superman, how Superman is seen by the then modern audience kids at the time of course i was guilty of that myself and um and that this story addresses how the image characters the more violent you know dan jurgens actually said his design for doomsday which everyone in the superman group approved uh, when they were all running designs for this monster they went for his and he said it was in in flyer in uh, inspired rather by the style of image and you can kind of see that in in his very 90s extreme bone spur spike design it's like the hulk with spikes that are made of his bones um and uh so we have these kids kind of reflecting too how superman is seen by the younger audiences meanwhile this kid mitch says uh one of his friends says this is a yawner and mitch said no kidding they should have talked to guy gardner and guy gardner meanwhile is being brutally uh attacked by um by doomsday and uh he um he didn't even have a chance to fight back. Doomsday so fast. Fire comes in and is pretty much ineffective. Gets Doomsday to drop Guy Gardner, who's now Jurgens does a terrific job drawing the the bruised, battered face here. Um, and then we go back, and Superman is now being asked questions about uh, fire and ice. Who, of course, you know, very attractive women on the team, and he is answering those very carefully and respectfully, as Superman would do. Then Bloodwind. He has um, he he was kind of a spiritual slash mystical character, mysterious character, and he says this area is rich with the plasma energies of the spirits of the dead, and he slams his uh, fist into um, into Doomsday and says, "What manner of creature could withstand such a blow?" Now I'm going to give you a little spoiler because it's 30 years later, but in case you've never read it, Bloodwind, it is found out is the Martian Manhunter. I don't remember how or why he... he. I think he became 
kind of amnesiac at some point and then took on this identity. Um, so he's got some of that ability and some of his abilities that don't seem like Martian Manhunter are in fact his abilities being used in different ways. He could teleport and he was really just turning invisible, um, which the Martian Manhunter can do. So this, this guy takes a strike from Martian Manhunter, even though he doesn't know he's Martian Manhunter, but I assume it's the same power level and it just kind of shrugs it off. So we know we're dealing with a, an incredible threat that we're going to see no one can take on but Superman. And then as uh, he's being knocked through an oil tank in a, in a Lex oil refinery, um, we see the, the League come in trying to attack, and um, Superman is asked, uh, are you ever afraid of facing all of the things you face? And Superman says, I have been afraid for myself. I have encountered things powerful enough to kill me. A little foreshadowing here. Meanwhile, Doomsday makes short work of the rest of the League and uh, Blue Beetle goes to look and check on Bloodwind and he sees Bloodwind is really and where, you know, Jurgens is laying this storyline for future issues and it turns out right before he can say who he is, he gets attacked by Doomsday pretty brutally. Um, and Superman says, is being asked by this girl, what about all this violence and hitting? Which is a theme in this Story. In fact, the Guardian uh, character will kind of bring up the issue of violence and say, "Isn't there a better way to handle uh, conflict?" And Superman says, "Yes, but but sometimes it's the only it's the only way." And I think all of this again, it's pretty clear, is commenting on what image had become, what superheroes had become, because most superheroes of this era um, that were popular, with the exception of Batman, really, and Spider Man, were antiheroes. And um, and they were killing or brutalizing their enemies. Very few weren't. And so the writers, the creators are saying, hey, not only does Superman not do this, but let's point out in these issues, let's raise this theme. And it's not a main thrust. It's not like today where you'd have a comic book and, you know, hammering on you over the head with an issue. It's just bringing up this theme because Superman is having to do this to face Doomsday use violence, but reluctantly, to show, you know, Superman doesn't use violence unless he absolutely has to, and that is always his last resort, which we talked about a few episodes ago. Is Superman a brawler or a savior? Um, and this girl is saying, isn't there a, a better way to work out things? But there, we're, we're also, it's a nice counterbalance because Doomsday is not somebody like Lex Luthor, and a lot of people have criticized over the years, oh, you know, they should have had Lex Luthor be the one to kill Superman. Well, that's been done, and they wanted to do something different, and they wanted it to be a force of nature that, that Superman would have to physically match, and to show Superman isn't invulnerable only to kryptonite or magic, he can die if someone's strong enough essentially, which is what happens, beats him to death. Um, and so we get this idea that, yeah, there is no reasoning with Doomsday. And so he takes Blue Beetle, who is a normal human guy, Ted Cord, no powers, and viciously smashes him into a metal wall and then a pipe and then into the oil tanker uh, side again and his mask all gone, almost all gone. He's, he's uh, bar very, uh, I would think, near death. And then Superman, back at the interview, says, violence is the price we pay to accomplish a greater good. As heroes, we choose to protect that good with our lives. Again, very heavy foreshadowing. Uh, Doomsday flings Ted Cord into the air. Bloodwind goes to save him, and uh, Doomsday grabs Bloodwind by the leg, throws him into Maxima. They all fall to the ground. And then there's a break-in saying that uh, there's this attack going on. The Justice League is fighting 
this monster. Ted Cord falls to the ground, and Ice says he's not breathing, uh, or he doesn't look like he's he he's so quiet. His pulse is very low, and um, he and uh, Booster, of course, very upset that he might be dying. Superman then says he has to go, and um, Booster Gold in engages doomsday directly raises his force field up just in time before this this punch connects with booster and sends him flying miles into the air so superman is wondering how can some one one person stand against the league and as he's flying he catches booster and um and a great shot here of Superman holding on to Booster. And uh, Superman says, I hear you people are having some trouble. Trouble isn't the word, Superman, Booster says. I'm telling you right now, it's like doomsday is here. And a big full-page spread there. That ends that issue. Then we go to Superman 74, where we have... um, where we have the League still with Superman. They're still fighting. Um, But the, the... story is not the situation is is only getting worse it's not going well for anybody but especially the league so our next issue superman 74 on the cover we see the uh a scene from the comic which i always like to see when a cover represents something you'll see in the issue um and we have doomsday now with a grin on his face uh still kind of in silhouette we don't we don't see him fully revealed yet as he's being attacked by the the energies of Superman and some of the leaguers who are still standing with Maxima, Blue Beetle, uh, well, Blue Beetle's not there, uh, Booster Gold and um, Ice laying there amidst the damage. The art, of course, Jurgens and Brett Breeding, who are a wonderful team, uh, some of the best art of that era. The title of this issue, Countdown to Doomsday, we have Maxima asking Blue Beetle, or, or Ice, how Blue Beetle is doing, he's dying. By the way, written and drawn by Dan Jurgens, finished art by Brett Breeding. And um, so basically we have Ice and Maxima going back and forth. Ice has to say, to plead with Maxima, you've got to bring Ted Cord to get medical help or he'll die, but Maxima wants to stay and she wants to fight Doomsday. And um, she says, oh, it, you know, Maxima says, if he dies, that is what any hero or what, what any warrior wants is to die in honorable combat. And uh, I said, well, right now, the most heroic thing you can do is bring him and save his life. So she goes off and then Ice goes to take on uh, Doomsday, which Ice has very little power, right? As far as, I mean, these were not the most powerful characters in the league at the time. Uh, meanwhile, we we then go and see Mitch, this guy who didn't like Superman. It's pretty clear in the scene where he's being interviewed by Cat Grant. And this kid is a bit of a of a... I don't want to say the word, but he's a bit of a punk. And um, he goes in, He's his, his um, mom and dad are separated. He has a little sister. His mom is there. He's giving her a hard time because she's just asking how school was. And he's like, he says, you, like, you care. Then he, she didn't get any soda. He gets on, on her case. She says, I have to take care of your sister who's not feeling well. I didn't have time to go shopping today. And then Mitch throws this little teenage tantrum saying, why does that baby rate and I don't? Dad always has soda for me at his new apartment. And his mom says, this house isn't perfect and neither am I. We do the best we can. And Mitch says, geez, no wonder dad left and wants a divorce. Mom crying, horrible. But you see Mitch feeling 
thankfully, some regret over what he said there. And uh, he says he's going to visit his friend. And then his mom hears a sound, and ice comes flying right through their kitchen window, smashing into the counter. And they go and look outside, and Doomsday, again, still bound with one arm, has his, he's, he's carrying their vehicle, their car, um, uh, on his one arm. He's, he's punched right through, he's carrying it, and um, Mitch points out, all this done with, you know, he's impressed with Doomsday. Uh, all this he did with one hand tied behind his back. And Mitch really is a stand-in, I think, for that generation of readers, who I was one of them, right, who were so impressed by the the powerful characters and the the violent characters, uh, you know, and I admit to that. I mean, that was something I was in. I think is very much a, what we were into at that age um, and uh, got kind of caught up in that. And that's fine. As I've said before in the show, there are many different archetypes. The problem, one of the problems in the 90s, and it's, it's I think, even worse now, is that there aren't enough um, opportunities for the different archetypes. So we see too much right now anti-hero focus or outright villains that are considered heroes back then we were seeing that with 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 um image and the the mainstream comic book companies had to really make a statement about that and a lot of them just went along with it but here was the superman family of of uh books at least saying hey no this is what a real superhero is this is a superhero and it's not really condemning the idea of an anti-hero but condemning holding those people as heroes. An anti-hero is not a hero. Understand that, right? Um, so if we want to use Lobo as an anti-hero, which I don't really see him even as that so much, but he is not a hero, okay? He's self-serving. Most anti-heroes are self-serving. Uh, and Superman is selfless, completely and utterly selfless, right? So he's standing in, Mitch does, and what's great about that, a little, little bit of a spoiler, we'll talk more about in the coming weeks after the death of Superman, Mitch has a, a uh, he goes through an arc, which is a very nice thing to see with this little supporting character that's introduced, because he really is the reader of the time, and the Superman writers uh, in this era were really using him and this situation to comment on what the what the comic book industry was becoming. Superman and... and um, and Booster get to the scene, and uh, where Mitch's house is is now almost in shambles, and um, they land, and uh, Booster says, "That's the guy, Superman. He's the one who took the Justice League apart at the seams." And Superman says, "Oh yeah, Doomsday." Very confident, a little cocky, and crack a doom. He punches Doomsday, punches Superman right in the chest. He doesn't move. The mom says, uh, wow, that punch looks like it could have caved in a mountain and took it. And then, of course, we have um, we, we have Mitch saying, big deal, the spud, which I don't remember teenagers because I was one ever calling anybody a spud. But I don't know what Jergens, where he was getting this. The spud was too slow and stupid to duck. So saying that about Superman, he's, he holds Superman in some contempt. Doesn't think he's very cool compared to Guy Gardner or even Doomsday, it seems. And Doomsday... Um, is is punches him and you can see he seems a little bit surprised. So what does he do? He lifts up his left leg and sort of roundhouse kicks Superman right in the stomach. <laughs> Sends him through their house, okay, Mitch and his his family's house and through the other side of the house completely causing it to collapse, all right? Then he grabs Booster and slams him into a tree. Uh 
goes into the house and is about to, I guess, kill Ice, punches Ice in the side with his with his one freed um, uh, fist. We hear crunch, we're assuming, of her bones, which is horrible. And then uh, Doomsday is about to hit the, the woman and baby, and then Superman comes in and slams, punches him down. They get away. Um, and then by this time, we've got Booster, Fire, uh, and Guy, and Bloodwind. They're all back, and they say, let's use our combined energies, pour it on, and um, that gives everybody a chance, uh, Mitch and his family, to try to get away. Once the smoke clears, fire extinguishes her powers. Booster, you know, extinguishes his power cells. Same way with Gardner and his ring. And they stop. Doomsday, we now see half of his face. Bones even over his eyes, coming out over his mouth and beneath his mouth. And these bony plates on his head. And half of his, the top of his suit now ripped off. Uh, But he is still coming and not injured at all. And... Then he just slams the league. He just kind of backhands Superman away now with his other. Now he's got the other hand free, grabs Booster by the throat, uh, stomps on the rest of the league, including Gardner, who can't see him, and then is brutally punches Booster in the face, slams him into a tree. And then I think maybe the most brutal scene in here until we get to the death of Superman himself is. He takes Booster over to a car, the the family's car, and slams his head repeatedly in between the car door and the frame of the car until Booster's mask, his his goggles smashed, ripped off, shattered, and he's got ble- ma- uh, ma- blood coming out of his mouth, and he's he's near death. Um, Gardner says, "I can't see, but I can hear bones breaking." So he tries to take a blast. At Doomsday, who hears him throwing Booster uh, right into Guy Gardner. Superman gets in there, and uh, he and um, Bloodwind attack. This does not go well for either Superman or Bloodwind. They're both knocked away. The house catches on fire. Superman's uh, um, heat vision going, uh, or I'm sorry, Bloodwind's heat beams, really Martian Manhunters, going astray, setting the remains of the house on fire. Mitch and his parents... Mitch and his mom and sister trapped in the burning house, and Superman goes off after Doomsday, who pushes himself into the air, leaps in the air, um, and the League can't help. Mitch calls for Superman, who then turns around, who says, um, I can't turn around. This Doomsday could kill so many more people, hoping that one of the Leaguers can help, and please, Superman, you got to come back, please, as the issue closes, Mitch's in the burning house. Adventures of Superman number 497 happens uh, with an excellent cover by one of my favorites, Tom Grummet, slamming right into uh, Doomsday on the cover. Kind of a super flying headbutt. And uh, then we get uh, Superman lamenting that he couldn't help Mitch, but hoping the leaguers could. He catches up, smashes Doomsday. Mitch is calling. Uh, some of the leaguers try to help um, this distracts Superman as he hears the kids still calling for help and he gets punched by Doomsday. So Superman flies him into um, a river and uh, pushes him all the way down to the, the bed of the river, knowing that he's only leaping like the Hulk. So maybe it'll take him a while to get out, Superman reasons. He then goes and saves Mitch's mom and sister, uh, gets them to the emergency crews as well as Mitch himself. Uh, the League is then taken away as well for medical treatment and um, 
you know, Gardner says, don't wuss out, Boy Scout. Put Doomsday in a pine box or I'll crawl off of this gurney and kick both your butts. And then Superman goes off. Doomsday leaps up, takes out a helicopter uh, that was coming to attack him. Uh, Superman saves the pilots and throws the heat-seeking missiles at Doomsday. Meanwhile, in a small town, Kirby County, which is a nice touch, there uh, is the sheriff and his deputy, and all of a sudden, Doomsday smashes onto their police cruiser outside. And a great little moment here. The deputy comes out and says, "Uh, Chief, I think I'm going to need a bigger gun. It's a little bit of a Jaws reference there. And then Superman comes in. He slams into Doomsday. Their fight resumes. Um, and it's just a great fight scene. Lots of wonderful work here uh, by Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood. And uh, the helicopter firing on Doomsday. Another copter now. He spears it with a light post. The helicopter is about to run right into City Hall. Superman saves the pilots just in time. Maxima appears. And kapow! She knocks Doomsday well off the property and uh, we find Lois having to go get Jimmy because he is she wants to cover the story been assigned to the story Jimmy has a side job that Perry White doesn't know about where he's Turtle Boy which is a 1960s Superman reference uh, Turtle Boy was like I think a mutation that that Jimmy had I don't remember what caused it um, but he's taping this on his lunch hour and Lois goes and says I need you um, and then Steve Lombard, who in this continuity, I don't think ever worked for the um, Daily Planet. I could be wrong, but he's he's here working now at WGBS. And now uh, the news update, Lombard says, Doomsday is on a straight path crossing from Ohio through New York State. Um, there are some theorizing the creature is on a course straight to or through Metropolis. Lex Luthor II, by the way, for those who don't know, was a clone of the original Lex Luthor pretending to be his own son, with red hair and a red beard, because Luthor was a redhead, right, before he lost his hair. And he pretended to be the son of Luthor, who grew up in Australia, so he's using this fake accent, uh, which is very 90s, 80s, 90s idea. Maxima is fighting uh, Doomsday and uh, knocking him pretty haphazardly through a building. Superman says, you've got to be more careful. There were probably people in that store. And Maxima says, how dare you impugn me, Superman? And he says, look, think before you swing. Okay, princess, we can't quarrel among uh, ourselves before they're both struck by Doomsday. He's fighting, trying to stop him. Doomsday slams a, a van right onto Maxima, who then just angers her. Superman slams Doomsday into a gas pump. Um, gasoline flies over him and Doomsday Maxima decides I'm going to get a light pole which Superman says the light pole is going to spark massive explosion sending the three of them into the air uh, and then we have narration from the Guardian who uh, is, a, is a very old character uh, in DC Comics history um, and who is commenting now on following the smoke as he flew there from Cadmus he was working for this top secret um genetic engineering firm called Cadmus at the time and Guardian gets there and finds Superman and Maxima who's now unconscious Superman is conscious but bruised and um, and we get another commentary as I mentioned earlier this is the issue we get it twice from Guardian was all this destruction necessary um, wasn't there another way and Superman says there's always another way but that doesn't alter the fact I've got to stop him and now I realize I have to do it alone no one else has the power 
to stop Doomsday, but Superman. Then we get to the issue released today, uh, 30 years ago today, Action Comics number 40. I'm sorry, 684. It was Triangle number 48 in that in that sequence. The cover is, um, I think this is Art T-Bear, both pencils and inks. It looks like it. Superman and Doomsday uh, in pitched battle in front of a sign showing how many si- uh, miles are to Metropolis, right? Um, and then we have, we have this is written by Roger Stern. Jackson Geis, I believe is how his last name is pronounced, and inks by Dennis Rodier. Both of these guys, I really like their artwork. As a kid, I didn't. I've come to really appreciate it. Very Kirby-influenced. Um, some of the faces used to bother me, and, and over the years I realized, oh, this is kind of Kirby-esque, and, and I've come to appreciate Kirby. As a kid, I, it took me a while um, you know, to really adjust to, to Kirby. I think I noticed his beautiful storytelling more than I ever really appreciated his style until many years later. Um, but but uh, Guys here is pretty strongly influenced, it looks like, or maybe Dennis Rodier, maybe both of them, who would go on to do some great stuff with Captain America uh, before his his alleged death, which it really wasn't, unlike Superman's, and then, of course, the Winter Soldier storyline many years later. Um, so Superman and um, Guardian are talking, and uh, he tells Guardian, get Maxima to a hospital. I'll stop Doomsday if it's the last thing I do. He flies off, and then we have Doomsday, who is continuing destroying another overpass now, another semi-truck falling, um, and he just smashes this truck to pieces. Um, and Doomsday now with both hands free, even more destruction. And uh, Superman says there's no discernible pattern to his movements. Never faced anyone like this. He just seems to wander from place to place, attacking whatever catches his eye. Doomsday uh, is is turning around as a car approaches, and the car runs into him because the driver can't stop. So Doomsday, instead of smashing the car, it's pretty comical, flings the car into the air. And the guy driving is narrating, you know, we get his thoughts, and he says, what did he do? How, what did he... How did he, oh my God, I don't believe this, I'm flying? And he said, he has this whole thing, which I won't read all of it. He says, I must have dozed off at the wheel. I must be dreaming. There's no way. He says, wake up, Charlie. There's no way I'm really flying over the air. And then he, he looks down at the, at the ground below him and says, man, it's so pretty up here. It must be nearly a mile up. Um, and then Superman catches him and he says, it's okay, I've got you. And and Charlie, this guy in the car, says, you've got me? And it kind of reminds me of Superman the movie a little bit. Uh, Superman says, poor guy, he must be hysterical. And then he flies uh, Superman down, uh, or rather flies Charlie in his car down, puts him down by um, a, uh, a state police officer, not before noticing the people on this overpass and underpass. Everyone there, he says, is dead. So doomsday, the, the death toll rising. Um, and so... Uh, Superman then goes to this Lexmart. Well, Doomsday's made it to a Lexmart, which is uh, essentially Lex Luthor II, or Lex of this continuity, um, his clone version. It expanded the LexCorp empire, so owns a lot of different brands and different companies. And Doomsday is there, and this is always a scene I've never really cared for, and I know why they did it, but I didn't really care for it. Doomsday sees on this giant TV in this in this Walmart stand-in this wrestler talking about a war bash in Metropolis, which is a wrestling uh, event, and uh, and so then Doomsday begins to say the word Metropolis and is going to go there now, I guess, because of war bash. Which eh, I guess they were trying to get an idea. So why would Doomsday 
just go to Metropolis because Superman's not there. Superman's on his tail and engaging him. Why would the battle ever get to Metropolis? So this was kind of, I guess, the way they put it uh, to to establish that. But I thought it's, there there had to have been another way. Superman engages Doomsday. They have a battle that destroys this store. Doomsday is laughing uh, as he's um, as he's really pounding Superman. Superman says, "I'd swear the harder I fight, the more he likes it." He's still as strong as ever, and I'm beginning to weaken. Then Lois and Jimmy in a helicopter approach. Uh, they are reporting on the story. Supergirl, meanwhile, long story as to who Supergirl was and what she was. I won't get into it. Wants to go, but she's had a relationship with Lex too, uh, the son, allegedly, of Lex Luthor. And she wants to go help, and he says, no, you need to stay here and protect Metropolis. And uh, Superman will be fine. He's Superman. How could he need any help? Um, and he says Superman will be just fine as we see him flying into a bus or being smashed by an entire bus that uh, that um, Doomsday is tossing at him. And um, Superman says at least the bus was empty, but all those people in the restaurant, I hope they're all right. Even as he's getting his his uh, the wind and much more knocked out of him, he's worried about other people. Wonderful. This is so great to show who and what Superman is as a character and a hero. He says, got to end this, got to pull myself together. And then Doomsday sees a sign, Metropolis, 60 miles, and he says, Metropolis, right? Warber, Warbush, which means Warbash. And he's remembering that stupid commercial, Superman says. He's making a connection. 60 miles might as well be 60 paces. I can't let him get any closer. I can't. He punches Doomsday in a real phenomenal uh, scene here. And... Um, uh, Jimmy says, Superman must have got a second wind. I've never seen him fight so hard. Lois, of course, says, neither have I, Jimmy. And, of course, she knows this is Clark and is worried about him. And Superman says, he must weigh a ton, got to build up enough momentum, hurl him away from Metropolis. And then he says, Doomsday's taken everything I've dished out so far, maybe slamming in into the hills at a few hundred miles per hour will soften him up. This is one time I could really use some help, and the JLA is incapacitated. Surprise, the Supergirl hasn't come to help. He wonders, he, he still, they don't know. The main cast doesn't know that Lex is a clone. Uh, he says his father, if his father were still alive, I'd have half expected the old man to have engineered this monster. Um, Lois and Jimmy still follow on in the helicopter. Cadmus is uh, where Doomsday lands, and then Superman begins to fight Doomsday in this place um, that was called the Habitat, which was made of these, uh, I guess they were um, not prehistoric trees, but they were engineered trees made by the Cadmus um, researchers, and it was their fortress. Their, their, well, it was a research facility and a habitat for the creatures they created, the DNA aliens, which were these genetically engineered beings. Um, and the, um, the, the town, the city, is now being destroyed by their battle. And these are massive, like, redwood-sized trees built into a structure. Uh, Superman and Doomsday fighting the the, fi- the battle, getting only worse. Um, the entire habitat is coming down on both of them. Superman is in bad shape at this point. Now his suit, which in the post-crisis era was held close to his body, which is why it didn't get damaged as easily as, you know, in the pre-crisis he had Kryptonian fabric, so it never got damaged. He's now starting to show wear on his suit, which says his aura is breaking down. He's weakening. Um, this you would know reading, not it wasn't stated at this moment. But Superman says, I'm too wasted, need to rest. 
because Guardian says, why did you take all of those big hits from the falling trees? And he said, I couldn't fly out of it. Too wasted, need to rest, make sure, as soon as I make sure Doomsday stopped. Um, and um, then Doomsday bursts out of the, the fallen trees and he uh, jumps, leaps off to Metropolis. Superman now buried under this rubble with Guardian, who's knocked unconscious. Superman um, is is calling out to Guardian, uh, or he's not. He's just his hand is sticking up out of the rubble. We don't know. Superman and Guardian out for the count, and um, the people at Cadmus is the, the Cadmus security is saying that radar has just confirmed the launch of an object somewhat larger than man sized from the wild area where the battle happened, headed south-southeast at approximately half the speed of sound. Good Lord, we see a sign saying Metropolis 50 miles. Doomsday lands on that and smashes it and patch me through to the Metropolis Civil Defense Command. Now we have to warn those poor people, Doomsday is coming. And our, we see the leap taking Doomsday right to Metropolis. End of this issue. So that's going to end this episode as well. We've, we've caught up here. I know it's gone longer than, than I usually do, uh, but we've caught up with the issues up to the last two in the Death of Superman arc. Next week, Man of Steel number 19, and then after that, of course, will be Superman 75. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I appreciate uh, you listening and your support. Please share the show with uh, someone, and uh, if you think they would enjoy it, I'll, and you know, share the Facebook link, which I'll have in the show notes. And um, I appreciate you spending this time with me. Love to hear your comments, your feedback. Superman Lives Podcast at gmail.com. Also, when this is up on YouTube, you can comment there. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and stay super. Mm-hmm.